Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 326, our 2020 year in review. It's made possible by our sponsors, Smile, Pingdom, and Wondery. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm Happy good. Happy New Year nearly. Happy nearly year. Yes. Nearly. Happy year. Yearly nearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happy. Oh. <laughs> We're also joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Sup. Hey. Hi. That's a new year, new year, new attitude for Federico. New year, <laughs> new, year new me. <laughs> Federico just turned his hat backwards, and that's how he's <laughs> going to be doing 2021. Backwards baseball cap. Fun fact, I, I am not wearing a hat. Fun fact. Do you know what, Federico? That is a fun fact. You were <laughs> it right. is a fun fact. Fun imagine fact. When you, whenever you listen to a podcast, imagine uh-huh. if all the people uh, talking are wearing hats, and that will make it instantly more fun. Do you own many hats? Uh no, I I'm not I don't really a think, hat person. I don't I'm I don't I'm not a hat person. Hmm. I think I have an odd shaped head for a hat. I don't look good in hats. Yeah, like I, I think I must be similar to you in that regard. I put a hat on and my face looks wrong. Stephen, you look good in hats. Uh, Stephen does. Stephen Stephen as a as a as a hat optimized. Yeah, head, because I think. I think it's partly because he can change his hair just by thinking. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very um, transformational from mm. that point of view. But if I put on a hat, I look like um, what's the character's name? Inspector Gadget? Is that the character's yeah. name? Yeah, I look <laughs> yes, like that. You would look <laughs> like Inspector Gadget. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Da, 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 da. Inspector Tichi. <laughs> I'm looking at pictures of Inspector Gadget now. <laughs> now that now that now that I'm thinking of uh, of cartoons on TV, I was yeah. shocked to realize a few years ago that just I was having this conversation with a friend of mine. It turns out that in Italy, like one cartoon theme song. Was used like the same music was used for another cartoon in Spain, and mm. I, and I did some research and I realized that basically Italy and Spain had been exchanging theme music for different cartoons over the years. That's really and weird. It's so, and it's so weird because, for example, in Italy, like we grew up with a certain tune that was used for like Captain Subasa, for example, which was called Holly and Benji here. But like in Spain, the same music is associated with different memories for different cartoons. Because these companies have been exchanging rights for theme music. It's so weird. That's incredible. Yeah. So, I don't know, just a fun fact that may help help you ease into 2021. Stephen, what are we doing on today's episode? Today, we are going to be going through the tech news of 2020, month by month, round robin style. And we're just going to hit on the big stories and Mm -hmm. see what is still important, what's not important, etc. And so I'm going to start with January. Does that seem like a good place to start? If you, if that's how you, if you, if you conform to that Canada show. I mean, it all went downhill in January, but if you really want to do it, <laughs> just do it, I guess. January was mostly a holdout though, right? Like I think we got through January pretty good. Yeah. Mm. We'll see, yeah. I suppose. You mm. and I both have January birthdays, so we had those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Apple started the year by touting a new era of services. So this was a press release with a bunch of 
artwork. Uh, Eddie Q saying that 2019 was the biggest year for services in Apple's history. They introduced several new exciting experiences for their customers. Uh, so in 2019, we saw Apple Arcade, Apple TV Plus, Apple News Plus, and Apple Card. So those were all new in 2019. And they're talking mm. about that and how the App Store makes all this money for all these people and uh, just uh, tooting their own services horn. Yeah, and then, of course, the, you know, one of the interesting stories of the year when it comes to earnings, we're not going to talk about Apple earnings other than right now, uh, is that quarter after quarter they beat, they just continue to grow. So 2020 was bigger than 2019 was, for example. Yeah, that... Or the other way. Uh, 20, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Twenty, Yeah, 2020 was bigger than 2019. The services even. chart just keeps getting bigger and better as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, speaking of services, in January, Apple also announced that the redesigned Maps data... So remember the story from, I guess, maybe 2017 or 2018 that Apple was undertaking this giant process of updating all the data in Apple Maps with much more detail, showing buildings and uh, a lot of upgrades of vegetation and so parks and stuff. You know, you could see walking trails and water and all this stuff. Uh, it had been slowly rolling out, uh, but in January, again, Eddie Q is quoted by saying uh, that all users in the U.S. could now experience this and that major cities had the look around feature, which is kind of like their street view, but it's a little bit differently, a little bit different than street view the way they actually do it technically. Uh, I can say, at least for me, uh, here where I live, uh, Apple Maps is way better now after this update. I've still had it give me kind of bonkers directions. At one point this summer, we were visiting some state parks and we used Apple Maps and it took us to someone's house and the the state park entrance was like two blocks down this little country road. And so with Apple Maps, you can file a correction and I got an email back within like three days saying they had fixed it and sure enough, they had. But I think they've done a really good job rolling this out and at least here in the U.S. where my experience is, I still use Google Maps when I'm going someplace I'm not familiar with because I do think Google Maps data is still better. But Apple Maps has really closed that gap in a meaningful way, I think. They added the maps here in October. Mm -hmm. So I haven't really been able to use them. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. But, you know, I, but this is kind of how I felt always, though, is like I don't think that they particularly have a feature set that would take me away from google maps which already works mm -hmm. so but i'm happy that they're at least trying to do more with it we'll see how it goes in the future i know when i was in the uk for your wedding we used google maps on the surface but i liked the way apple maps laid out stuff on the tube as someone who was completely unfamiliar with it i found apple maps was it is good easier to understand what I needed to do. So we kind of went back and forth when we were in London. But yeah, they've said that this is going to continue to roll out. It is super good for that. It's super good for that. But it, I don't need that because I know how to use it. You know what I mean? Like I know how to use the tube. But yeah. they, they did a good job with the like entrance and exits type thing. Yes, which is really important for me. <laughs> I've never been there before. Uh, January 21st, there was a report that Apple had abandoned plans to release an end-to-end -end encrypted version of iCloud backups after facing complaints from the U.S. federal government, in particular, the FBI. 
This was particularly focused on iMessage. Yes. So I don't know if you guys remembered this story. I didn't remember it until I looked it up. This was like a big thing, which is like resurfaced from previous about the fact that even though iMessage is end-to-end encrypted, it's not end-to-end encrypted in the iCloud backups. So in theory, law enforcement, if they could get your information, could get into the backup. It's like this whole thing that people never remember until they're reminded about the fact that like iMessage is only end-to-end, fully end-to-end encrypted if you do not use iCloud backup. If you do, it isn't. There is a way to get the information. So, uh, Big news from Twitter in January as well. They announced the feature to limit replies to tweets. So if you use the, tw- the official Twitter client, you'll see this. It's rolled out to everybody now, I think, where you can say... Uh, anyone can reply to this. Only people I mention can reply to this. So if I if I said something to Federico publicly and I didn't want other people to chime in, I could I could set that. Um, and the trick is, if you mention nobody, then no one can reply to it. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a feature that actually got me to switch to the official Twitter app on the iPhone. Because um, b- 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 I kind of gotten weary of tweeting like political things and getting a bunch of replies that, you know, sometimes these tweets make the rounds and you just have a lot of horrible things uh, in your mentions. So I think this has been a good change to Twitter. I think that it can really be used to at least cut down on things in your replies uh, in terms of harassment and things like that. Now, it's not perfect people can still quote tweet you you can still of course get dms if you leave those open but it is at least a step towards controlling what happens to your tweets once you send them never use this feature the trick is to never tweet actually if you never tweet you never have to change the setting (laughs) that's that's all i'm gonna say delete your twitter account (laughs) permanent setting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh mike as one of the co-host of Upgrade. You guys cover Mm -hmm. streaming and that sort of stuff a lot. Can you tell me about this uh, HBO guy being at Apple? There's a couple of stories I've dotted through the year that I think are important. Uh, And this is one of them. Apple signed a five-year first-look deal with the then uh, had recently just been ex-HBO boss Richard Plepler. Um, Plepler was head of HBO Forever and was responsible for lots and lots and lots of great programming and uh, has an a- Apple signed a first look deal with him, which basically means any project that uh, Plepler is working on, Apple gets first dibs on it. Um, there was something that he brought to Apple, or he's the executive uh, producer or something, and I now do not remember what that is. But uh, it this is going to, you know, I think this is going to end up being over time a helpful uh, thing for Apple. There's a few of these first look deals. This was one of the first big ones uh, in, in 2020. Yeah, Apple's really getting serious about this, right? It's yep. it's really been amazing to see how far Apple TV Plus has come in its first year or so. Mm-hmm. Lastly, to round out January, a big historical moment. Uh, The end of January marked 10 years since the iPad was originally introduced. Back in January 2010, Steve Jobs came out and introduced the iPad as something better than a netbook, because those were cruddy, 
but something more capable than a phone and more personal than a laptop. And here we are now, 10 years later, and the iPad's a whole family, and there are people doing work on it full time. And it was neat to see how far it's come. And our friend John Voorhees put together a really great article. I love in this article, he he went through and found like all of the, you know, rumors and like mock-ups <laughs> of what it could look yeah. like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's one here that it looks like an iPhone, but it has a MagSafe and a USB-A port on the side of it. <laughs> so Man, that, they should have shipped that one. That but, sounds great. That didn't happen. Uh, so it's it's fun to look back and think, you know, what things could uh, could have been. But yeah, iPad, 10 years. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I think, Federico, you did a bunch of stuff in, what was it, March or April? I think so. I think this? it was this year. Because that was when it actually came out. Yeah, it came, it, it was announced pretty early. Yeah, It was in April. Uh, I think we did a thing in April and I did my story. It doesn't feel like 2020. It feels like a couple of years ago to me. But I think that's when I did my, my modular computer story, I think. Yes. Yeah, I think it was so. this year, mm-hmm. and it was for the tenth tenth anniversary of the, of the actual public release on April third in mm-hmm. the U.S. twenty ten. Yeah, that I did the story uh, about my modular setup with the external monitor and the keyboards and the stands and all of that, and also we had a bunch of stories about the uh, about the iPad. Uh, you know, the first decade of the iPad and all the changes in software and hardware and all of that. It was fun. Doesn't feel like 2020, but yeah, it was a few months ago, I guess. So now we move on to February. Apple announced that there would be a special Apple News section for the U.S. presidential election, uh, which I know I used um, over the election weeknight that existed uh, this year for the American president. I like that I could actually get it. Uh, in the UK, but I know I saw a lot of people complaining, which I understood, is that it took up a lot of real estate in the Apple News app for the US presidential election in the UK, which is kind of funny, but like it was basically the entire thing for like three days, and there was a lot going on in the world at that time. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There was... uh, I wanted to mention, I was looking through our old show notes, and I found Ming-Chi Kuo's first rumor report of the year. Ooh. And I wanted to just reference this for, for, for one reason, which I'll get to in a bit. So these were the things that Ming-Chi Kuo said were going to come in 2020. A 4.7-inch iPhone with Touch ID. That was the iPhone SE 2. A triple-lens iPad Pro. This was like the first serious rumors. There was lots of rumors of the iPad Pro before it came out, and that was the 2021. A MacBook Pro, an Air refresh, which did happen, but he wasn't talking about M1 at that point. Air tags high-end headphones, and a small wireless charging mat. Wow. That was MagSafe. Mm. He, he had a good year. <laughs> yeah, but that small wireless charging mat, didn't know what that meant at the time, right? We were like, are they doing another air power? Are they doing just their own Qi charger? Mm-hmm. No, that was Mag... What he knew about or what he'd seen or gotten information on, was that was just a MagSafe puck. Yeah. so It's impressive. Quo has a very good year every year. He... Uh, is the most reliable in this space, I think, for, for of this type of thing. Like, I think what Mark Gurman and Ming-Chi Kuo do are different, um, especially from the sources that they have. And Kuo, Kuo, is, Kuo talks about things very early and is often very, very correct. Uh, Spotify made a lot of acquisitions in 2020 to continue boosting their podcast business. And one of the first ones that they made was acquiring The Ringer from Bill Simmons, 
which is the, like a sports and entertainment podcast network and website. And Spotify kept the website going as well as acquiring the content. This one for me, uh, when I read it, I kind of couldn't believe that it was this year because it felt like such a long time ago mm-hmm. when the director and actor Taika Waititi complained about Apple's laptops at a press conference in the Oscars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When people, I think he was asked uh, what makes things difficult. Like there was this whole like um, unionizing and striking thing at the time, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, in with uh, agencies like acting agencies and, and stuff like that. And he was kind of asked the question about what makes things difficult at the moment. And then he just started talking about how uncomfortable Apple's laptop keyboards are. Not great. Uh, not a great moment for... No, it was funny, though. It is funny. I mean, what was... It was especially funny because he had just signed a deal to produce a TV Plus show. That brings us to the final month in 2020, March. <laughs> the beginning of the second year in 2020. The beginning of the end um, of 2020. And uh, this is when lockdowns started around the world when we started it in Italy uh, in early March and uh, when basically we all started wondering what was going to happen to Apple and, uh, you know, their plans for 2020. So first stop is the uh, the Apple's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, they had a press release where they announced that they were going to help with donations and with, you know, providing supplies, closing Apple stores, you know, the usual response that we're all expecting, basically, mm-hmm. from Apple at that point. And in addition to that, so closing Apple stores, uh, retail locations, and providing um, equipment, um, building their own face masks as well. Yes, they did, and donated a load of them. They, they did so much stuff then. They had blueprints. They still have them, I believe, that you can download them, print out the PDF with instructions on have any of you seen the, the Apple masks? No, I haven't. I saw when I went to pick up an iPhone, uh, I saw them. They look really nice, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but yeah. Uh, in addition to those, uh, to that press release and those announcements, they also put out a a COVID nineteen website and an application that you can download from the App Store. Uh, with basically, this is a screening tool and a set of resources and like frequently asked questions uh, to check for symptoms, to check for. Uh, sort of to guide you through the process of whether you should go see a doctor, whether you should go get tested, and information on social distancing, on wearing masks, on on you know proper um, hand sanita- sanitization, you know all that kind of stuff. Uh, I forgot they did this. Me too. And now that I was checking out the press release and the app again, uh, it feels like forever ago where we we had to be, you know, where other people had to explain social distancing. Uh, this is very much like, you know, it feels like last year material to me. Uh, you know, what is social distancing? What does it mean? And now we all know, obviously, what it is. Wait, I have to wash my hands for 20 seconds? That's yeah, like a uh, long time. Uh, back then, all of this was <laughs> new and, and there were video tutorials on how to properly wash your hands. And uh, Happy birthday the- twice? No, surely not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's still the app on the Apple Store and on the App Store and there's still the COVID-19 website uh, which is covid19.apple.com, where you can go. You can, if you're in the US, you can check your 
You can select your state and you can check with your local health department for additional instructions. And there's also a link to a COVID-19 hub on Apple News if you want to get, you know, all the stories about COVID-19. I don't know if you still want, but it's it's, it's an option in case you're <laughs> looking for more news. Anyway, uh, the big announcement, which at the time when things started getting progressively worse, we all knew this was ha- this was coming. Apple confirmed that WWDC 2020 was not going to happen in San Jose, but it was going to be a virtual... Now, this was announced on March 13th, which, looking back, I cannot believe it was that early, because I feel like we were asking the question for ages, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I guess not. But like it felt like such a long time where it was like, oh, what are they going to do? Surely they got to do it. Everyone else is canceling. Like It took a long time. Yeah, at the time, I guess we had no idea just how bad the pandemic was going to be. And I think I remembered clearly a point where us folks in Europe were saying, this is going to get bad. Unfortunately, WWDC is not going to happen. And folks in America were saying, ah, it's fine. We can do a conference in June. You know, this will be over by the summer. And obviously, it didn't go that way. So mm-hmm. Apple announced that WWC was going to go online only with a set of uh, sessions and uh, a new system for developers to chat and ask questions to Apple engineers. We didn't have a lot of details at the time. Uh, obviously, Apple shared more uh, in the weeks following the announcement. But yeah, this was a good move in hindsight. Obviously, it was not going to happen anyway. It was going to get cancelled. Like, if Apple had announced, no, we're going to do this anyway, like, it just wasn't going to happen because mm-hmm. the pandemic got real bad uh, by that time. So, good move. Uh, it, we all knew it was coming. So, it was the it was the, the sort of the hot topic for a few weeks uh, in, on podcasts yeah. and on Apple websites. Um, following that, we got an update to the MacBook Air. Uh, I guess this is the update that people were waiting for uh, because it came with a new uh, Magic Keyboard, so dropping the butterfly keyboard that everybody hated. Mm-hmm. And it was also a performance uh, bump uh, with mm, uh, the new storage option as well, if I remember correctly. So this is a faster MacBook Air with a new keyboard with twice the storage at nine, uh, $999. Is that correct, Stephen? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. So this was the uh, the final Intel MacBook Air uh, my favorite part about this press release, though, is at the bottom, it says Mac Mini also updated today, <laughs> which they just doubled the storage capacity for the prices, which kind of made me laugh. Up next is the insanely popular 2020 iPad Pro. So this is uh, this is the, uh, the, the, the 2020 iPad Pro is the one with the LiDAR scanner. And it was a, 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 a quite an intriguing announcement because Apple announced the 2020 iPad Pro and everybody, after an initial, you know, few minutes of excitement of, oh my God, there's a new iPad Pro, we all quickly realized that it was basically the 2018 iPad Pro with the spec bump in the system on a chip go- going from the A12X to the A12Z. And a new camera system featuring LiDAR, which, however, was only used for augmented reality on iPad. And I don't think any of us were excited about AR on iPad. Mm-mm. And so it was... Sort of a sort of a letdown, I guess. Uh, but in combination with that announcement, 
Apple also announced the Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro, and we all freaked out because mm-hmm. obviously this is the this is the accessory that we were waiting for, like an actual keyboard from Apple, a, be- uh, a backlit keyboard with a built-in trackpad, and a new system pointer, um, a new feature for controlling the iPadOS UI directly with a trackpad or, you know, in the case of a Magic Keyboard or any other connected mouse or trackpad via Bluetooth. This was the, I would say, this is the single most important iPad announcement of 2020, the Magic Keyboard and iPadOS 13.4. Yeah, yeah, bigger than it was bigger than iPadOS fourteen. It it was bigger than iPadOS fourteen. It set the stage for iPadOS fourteen because, in hindsight, I would argue that the most important features of iPadOS fourteen, which we're going to talk about later, you know, multi-column and sidebars and all that kind of stuff, those features were enabled by the pointer because they're mm-hmm. so much easier to use and interact with if you have a Magic Keyboard with the trackpad and the pointer. So. Mm-hmm. This is a turning point for the iPad's evolution, I would say, the Magic Keyboard and iPadOS 13.4. We should also remember that the Magic Keyboard was not immediately available. It would only come out in early May. Apple announced it in March. They announced iPadOS 13.4, but the actual accessory, it will launch in May. Um, March 2020, this is a big month. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple announced that universal apps were coming to the Mac. This was another big change for the App Store ecosystem this year, or last year, I should say. The idea being that now you can use, if you're a developer, you can release a single application that runs on iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Obviously, there are going to be three separate apps, but you can bundle them up in a universal binary that you can put out on the App Store so that customers can buy it once and they can run it everywhere. Um, this is a this to me has been a big change this year uh, because an increasing number of apps that I know and use, I've seen them switch to univer- to universal purchases for iPhone, iPad and Mac. And actually you can even do, I believe you can do the whole thing. You can do iPhone, iPad, TVOS, watchOS and macOS all in a single listing on the App Store, which is kind of incredible. And I guess I should add iMessage as well, because that is also an App Store Mm. that for some reason is still available. Glad glad that one Um, got in there. Sure. Really happy about that. Uh, So universal apps coming to the Mac. Big news for developers. Seems to have been pretty well received. I guess the only asterisk would be that the early adopters of Mac Catalyst were left out uh, from this, because if you're one of the brave developers who started using Catalyst last year, before the good Catalyst of 2020, uh, you're out of luck because you can no longer merge the Catalyst app that you did in 2019 <laughs> with universal purchases that Apple launched in 2020. Ridiculous. So, it was kind of ridiculous. So not only did, were you forced to use the bad version of Catalyst, but now you can you cannot take advantage of universal apps either. Unless you want to release a new binary, but if you do a new like a new uh, skew on the App Store, but if you do that, you lose all of your reviews and your customers. So not an ideal situation. But hey, you know. Hey, hey, hey. we're gonna talk about that later too. Uh, in March 2020, somehow. 9 to 5 Mac, obtained 
code strings, some code snippets related to iOS 14. And uh, while we didn't have any screenshots of new features coming in the next OS, we started hearing about certain functionalities, certain options that may you know, that were going to become available at some point in the future. One of them I want to point out today, how spot on it was, uh, codenamed Seymour, an Apple TV workouts app. <laughs> Obviously, this turned out to be Apple Fitness Plus on yeah, Apple I think, TV. Yeah, I think you're right. This was their best, I think this was the best one that they got that we hadn't really heard of, I don't think, anywhere else at that point. Right. I think right. Mark Gurman then reported on it later. Um, but I think this was the first that we'd heard about the Apple doing some kind of fitness program. It was also in March that Apple acquired Dark Sky, the popular weather app. Uh, now, the Android app is no more. Dark Sky is still available on the iPhone, on the, on the App Store. The data from Dark Sky is being incorporated into the main weather app for iPhone, which for some reason is still not available on iPad. The weather app is only an iPhone exclusive. You can use the weather widget on iPad, but there's no weather app. Uh, and the Dark Sky API, I believe, is going to stick around for another year. But at the end of 2021, the Dark Sky API is going to get shut down. Um, so the Android app was discontinued a few months later. The API is sticking around. Apple has started leveraging Dark Sky data in the weather app for iOS 14. And uh, if you're a developer who built a weather service or a weather application on top of the Dark Sky API, you better start finding an alternative because by the end of next year, or should I say this year, the end of 2021, uh, this thing is going to get shut down and you got to find something else. The only hope is that at WWDC, Apple announces their own weather, weather API, right? Like that's that the is hopeful also, thing, but you can't rely on that if you're a web developer. That is also an option. Uh, in March, Stephen, you did something. You did, I would say, let me phrase it this way. You did something for the first time, and you did something for the last time. <laughs> oh, nice. That's <laughs> nice. Yes. Uh, I hosted Mac Madness, in which thousands of people voted through a bracket system for their favorite Mac. And some people were upset that the bracket was randomly seated. Uh, I won't say who, but Mike was one of those people. Yeah, it was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad idea, right? Like, I think we all agreed on that by the end. Yep. And we were voting for our favorite Mac, not the best, you know, not what Jason would do with 2020 Macs, but favorite. And uh, ran that through the month of March, had a winner, the beginning of April. Let's just say, uh, stay tuned. Maybe 2021 will bring something. I would like you to do it again with proper seating. It's <laughs> <laughs> the same, whatever it is. Yeah. 24 machines, yeah. seed them properly. Yes. Uh, if I do it again, <laughs> yeah. I will not randomly seed them. Good. Uh, March is also the last time I had a haircut. There so you go. I'm starting to look like Federico a little bit. Is it really? Uh-huh. Like you're just... Okay. So and... Wait, wait, wait. Professional haircut or any hair taken off your head? Any hair taken off my head at all. Really? March. Is your yeah. wife okay with it? Yeah, she likes it long. Okay. I didn't know that. S uh, mm -hmm. That is surprising to me. Yeah. Like no hair cutting whatsoever. Mm -mm. It's out of oh. control. But I feel like your hair is not as long as I've seen it before. So how is that the case? I've grown it for longer times than this. Right. You have. Yeah. My okay. children want me to grow it out into the next podcast-a-thon. So 
we'll see if I last that long. Yes, I think that's a great idea. Well, at this point, idea. you just got to go for it, right? right? Mm-hmm. At this point, no, I will go one step further. Ooh. And I will say, assuming that we're going to see each other again at WWDC 2022, you should cut your hair on stage at WWDC <laughs> 2022. <laughs> I assume the reason that the podcast Nathan is mentioned is because that's the hair Stephen will remove. Yeah, for fundraising. That, is also, that yeah. is also a good idea. We'll see, though. You never know. You never but know. Yes, you Maybe people li- will choose to save it. They'll pay money to save it. In any case, you should do it live. Yeah, with some kind of audience. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Text Expander from our good friends over at Smile. Get ahead of your productivity for the new year with the power of Text Expander. It removes the repetition out of work so you can focus on what matters most. So say goodbye to things like repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste and better than scripts and templates because Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. I've used Text Expander for ages. I was first introduced to it way back when I was a Mac genius. We used it at the Genius Bar to make sure our notes for cases were uniform across the team, and I've used it ever since. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. So take your time back in the new year and increase your productivity with Text Expander. And connected listeners get 20% off their first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more. Go there now. You will not regret this. Our thanks to Text Expander and Smile for their support of the show and Relay FM. So coming now to March 2, also known as April, mm-hmm. Apple and Amazon have some sort of deal, meaning you can buy content in the Prime video app directly in certain circumstances for some content. This was something that you had to do outside, like the Kindle app, where you got to go to the web and do it because of Apple's cut. Uh, this was uh, an Apple and Amazon. You know, they, they've they've had their relationship has been hot and cold over the years. You remember for a while, Amazon wasn't selling Apple products in the store. Mm-hmm. That was fun. But uh, they've made up. Jeff Bezos, Tim Cook had a handshake. Well, not really. They just agreed on a bunch of stuff that would come out in court later on. But we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Uh-huh. <laughs> In April, Apple and Google announced they were partnering on COVID-19 contact tracing technology. So how this works is your phone is anonymously talking with other phones that you're nearby. And if someone reports that they have tested positive for COVID, the phone knows. And then you get an alert saying, hey, you've been in contact with somebody who who tested positive. You need to go get tested or, you know, hide out of home or whatever. This started as APIs that local health officials, either like federal or in the U.S.'s case, unfortunately, state health officials, you could have apps built that would affect these. 9to5Mac has a tracker on their website showing what states in the U.S. have this, and it's not very many um, because a lot of state leadership in in our country still thinks it's a hoax. But that aside... Uh, this was a big deal because of, A, how fast they moved. So they announced this on April 10th, and they said in May the APIs will be out there. And then in coming months, 
it would be baked into the uh, ba- baked more into the operating system with the nor- with what's they quote is a more robust solution. So this is um, a big deal. I wish it had been used more widely here. I know it's uh, up and running in a lot of other places around the world, but definitely a notable story of again of these tech companies uh, tackling COVID head on. The iPhone SE two also shipped in April. This is a phone that looks like the iPhone 8, so single camera, touch ID, forehead and chin, but it features the A13 Bionic from the iPhone 11 series. Fantastic phone. I've moved a lot of my family members to these over the past year. I think like everyone else had a lot of family members on like the 6S or maybe a 7, and they didn't want Face ID, especially in like the time of covid like yeah you should get face id and if you have to go out and about obviously with the mask it's difficult oh uh, boys my phone started recognizing me with a mask on consistently oh wow i had yes I, it's only when i wear one type of mask is it flesh color type of mask no yeah it's this picture of my face it's <laughs> a t- it's the mask type that i wear the most it's just this like black mask i think it's by a company called neqi if i wear any other mask it doesn't work if i wear this one works wow that's cool. It's very nice. I'm very happy about it. Oh, it's funny because it took me a while to realize that it was happening. Yeah. Because my phone was just working, right? Like mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking about it. So anyways, the SE also, in addition to keeping Touch ID around, it, it is the the cheapest phone in the lineup starting at 399 So this is a great phone to recommend if someone's looking at, the, at a lower cost option or they have an older phone and they like what... Touch ID offers, especially this day and age. Uh, the SE, I think, is a really good value. I expect it to be around for a few years, so its value proposition will get worse over time. But I still don't think even now, if you want uh, an affordable new phone, the SE is a great place to look. And lastly, in April, well, next to lastly, there's one more, we had the Hackett number. This is episode 291 of Connected, where... I had counted up all of the computers in my collection, and then we divided them into the number of people in my household. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the calculation. I forgot the calculation. Yes. That was it. Uh-huh. There is a, uh, there's a link in the show notes. J.W. Hamilton built a lovely website uh, where you can figure your own Hackett number, which is pretty cool. Uh, mine was 20.6, and it is now a constant in the PCALC application. The Hackett number yeah, is a constant. It's more now. It, it's it would, more, you know it's more now. Oh, y- yes. Um, a lot more. A lot more. I would like you to figure out your new Hackett number. Okay. The 2020 like, Hackett with number? With the constant? No, like with the constant, because mm. now you would be like, say like 1.5 or whatever. Oh, 1.5 Hackett numbers? Oh, that's good. Right, because that's what you would be now, right? Because the Hackett numbers are constant, so yeah, you would now be more than one, I would assume. I had a, a listener of the show donate his collection to me. Yeah, I'm going to be unboxing it on Twitch tomorrow, but uh, it was three pickup truck beds full of stuff. At some point, you need to be that burden on somebody else. <laughs> donate your collection to someone. Back up a tractor trailer to someone's house. Yeah. It's yours now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, I know you were hesitant to make a big deal of it at the time, but I want to make a big deal of it here. In April, you celebrated 10 years of podcasting. I did. 
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's, I, I like that it's always tied into the iPad yep. for me because that was like that was when I started. Was the iPad had just been announced and I was really excited about it, so I started a tech podcast and uh, spent many weeks talking with my friend Terry about the fact that it was going to be delayed in the UK and was very upset about it. And it was. It came out like multiple months later in the UK compared to the US. Hmm. But yeah, so it's a decade. A nice decade. I'm always very happy that I started this at a round number, like 2010. So it'll be easy, it's easy for me to remember it and for me to count it. So, And uh, yeah, mine will be in March. It uh, looks like the first time I was on your first show was March 2011, according to my records. Oh, really? Yeah. According to your records that are not shareable records. Well, no, it's, there's have. a there's a post on 512pixels. Ah, good, 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 good. <laughs> no audio exists, and that's the way I like it. Anyways, congratulations. So we move into May, which was March 3. Are we saying like the 3rd? It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, it's March, be like March 3. March 3. Uh, so one of the biggest stories in May, which has um, continued throughout the year, uh, was the Black Lives Matter movement kind of seeing a uh i don't want to say resurgence because it was obviously something that had existed prior but Mm -hmm. i think it was something that a lot of people started to pay uh, much more attention to quite rightly uh after the killing of george floyd yes which sparked demonstrations across the u.s which then spread out across the globe um and i know from a political standpoint uh engaged me a lot more i know like many of the 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 people that i work with and in many industries uh, across the globe so um it was definitely one of the big themes of this year of which there were many big themes um and hopefully is going to continue to be something into the future which brings about much much needed and long overdue change in uh racial and social justice equality uh, going back into more tech-focused stuff, um, Apple launched the Zane Lowe interview podcast in May, which is Apple's first honest-to-goodness uh, podcast effort. They had Apple News Today later on in the year and some other stuff, but this was kind of like, hey, here's a thing. It's a podcast. Um, the 13-inch MacBook Pro got the good keyboard. It got the re- revised to get the Magic Keyboard. Uh, I don't remember if it got anything else of note. I think it was just mostly the Magic Keyboard. Did they get rid of one of the models at this point, Stephen? Or like they didn't update the um, the function key version? Yeah, this may have been when the Escape went away and, and they all got touch right. bars. It may have been before this. I'm not, I'm not positive okay. off the top of my head. Um, in May, even though we knew WWDC would be virtual, we were told about the schedule and that it would be happening on June 22nd. Um, I remember that was also a thing that felt like it went on way too long and did go on really too long because we were all trying to prepare for the rest of the year. Um, and it was, wasn't until May that we found out that June 22nd is when WWDC would start. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig Federighi was on this podcast called App Stories. A terrible show that listened to it. <laughs> One good episode. It had the whole year. Is that what that interview as well? Really. <laughs> Amateur hour. Really. Uh, that was nice. I was happy. What is he? Is he the only repeat guest? 
Maybe. Only, re- only repeat guests on App Stories. Right? I, <laughs> yes. I think so, maybe. But no, he is. He really is. Because I know, But um, I know you've done, like, developer interviews. I figured if maybe somebody had overlapped in that. Nah. Some, nah. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, we only allow for one person to be a repeat guest. Wait, if I've been on it more than once, I think I've filled in for you more than once. Well, it's you and Craig Federighi. It, look, yes. It's you and Craig Federighi. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Uh-huh. Uh, Spotify hired Joe Rogan and made the Joe Rogan... Is it called the Joe Rogan Experience? Yeah, the Joe Rogan Experience. What an annoying name. A, uh, <laughs> a I mean, Spotify... The show is not that much better, anyway. Exclusive <laughs> Yikes. podcast. <laughs> and that has gone really well for Spotify so far that nobody could have predicted. Mm-mm. And uh, Microsoft... Um, previewed the fluid office framework which i'm still very intrigued about but have seen nothing more about it since june 2020 so before we talk about the online first online only first but not last very likely that online only wwdc uh june 10th apple announced the very much expected demise of ibooks author you may remember ibooks author as this mac application that allowed you to author digital and interactive books mm-hmm. that you could sell on the iBooks store. Well, that is no more. iBooks author had been languishing for the past few years. It never came to iPad. It never received a lot of features that Pages eventually received. And it was just left there, sort of like abandoned where, you know, just there for some people. Uh, and now, of course, Apple put out a support document uh, and an email to book publishers saying, you know, thank you for trying iBooks Author, but we're not going to make this thing anymore, basically. If you want to author your digital books on Apple platforms, use pages. Um, I'm sad about this. I really liked iBooks Author. I did my one and only uh, interactive iBook uh, about editorial in 2014, 2013, maybe, uh, in iBooks Author. And I loved it. It was uh, it actually had an intuitive UI in a way that I hadn't seen in any other uh, ebook authoring application for Mac. So, um, and I know that there's a lot of features from iBooks Author that Pages still does not offer, uh, such as the way that you could animate uh, inline objects, and you know, I have all of these different pop-ups for changing styles and formats. It was really nicely done. They should have done an i an iPad version, and they never did. So. In any case, iBooks Other is dead. Yep. I, I used it for, for my book a few years ago, too. And uh, I wouldn't say I loved the experience. The bugs in iBook Author really became frustrating. But you're right that Pages didn't get all the stuff that iBooks Author could do. And like, it was really cool to make a book where you could have all this interactivity. And a lot of that's just gone away. In June, we also saw the fight between Apple and Hey. 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 Uh, the new email client, an email service that launched in June. Um, and it was this whole fight basically boiling down to the fact that Hey did not want to use Apple's own in-app purchase system. They wanted to direct people to their own website to subscribe and pay for Hey. And uh, Apple, hey, Apple was not okay with it. And they did they remove or threaten to remove Hey from the App Store. I think they didn't approve it for the Mac. They, they didn't approve it for the Mac, and, and they, they threatened thre- to remove they threatened it. to remove the yeah. iOS version. And they, uh, I believe, they stopped um, like the 
they said we're not going to approve your updates either unless you comply with our requests. Yeah, because that and was because if you remember, then Apple announced, I think during WWDC, that thing about like we're not going to hold up your updates anymore if there's a problem. So there was this very public fight between Hey and Apple. Uh, Apple responding to Hey, and uh, Hey going public with the with the emails and the letters that they received from from Apple and the app review team. It eventually got resolved in a way that we all expected. Uh, we had we did a show about this at the time, saying this is bad publicity for Apple, especially going into WWDC especially into 2020, they need all the goodwill that they can get from developers, and this is not the best story to have ahead of WWDC. And eventually they made up, and they found the solution. And uh, now you can download Hey! from the App Store, and uh, you can subscribe, like I did, uh, to the Hey! service on the web, outside of the app. There's no link to sign up for a Hey! Uh, plan from the iOS or iPadOS version. You need to go to Safari, create your account, and you pay from there. You cannot do so from the mobile app, uh, but that's fine. And once you have an account, you just log in, and uh, you can use Hey on your device. So it was this public dispute that could have been easily avoided, I guess, uh, but it was also necessary, I think. It, it, it fit this much bigger storyline, I think. And this is why this story should be remembered. And we should talk about it. Because it, it, it became part of this bigger storyline about Apple and anti-competitive practices. Basically, the reason why they are under scrutiny, both in the US and in Europe, for you know, antitrust law basically, and, uh, you know, different companies, we're going to talk about those later, sort of banding together and saying, Apple is treating us unfairly and we want to do something about it. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the first piece of this much bigger puzzle that became one of the one of the key storylines, I think, of 2020, besides the pandemic, uh, sort of, is Apple treating companies and developers unfairly on the App Store? So this is yeah. one, of the first, uh, one of the first scenarios that we're going to talk about this year. WWDC, Online only, um, all of the operating systems were uh, covered. WatchOS 7 featuring new complication features on the watch face, the new hand washing timer, uh, support for, well, Fitness Plus uh, was not announced yet, but it would get, obviously, Fitness Plus integration. Uh, iOS 14 widgets on the home screen this will turn out to be the feature of the year really mm-hmm. all new home screen on iphone widgets um folders in the shortcuts app uh you know big updates to safari for um uh, native translations and blocking third-party trackers ipad os 14 of course building on top of ipad os 13.4 with multi-columns um sidebars all new designs for built-in applications like shortcuts, like music, uh, like calendar, and macOS Big Sur, of course, with an all-new design, um, new system icons for you know built-in macOS applications. Very polarizing update, I would say. Uh, Big Sur with a new design. Uh, mm-hmm. As soon as Apple showed it off, everybody start everybody started talking about how it looked like an OS that was designed for touch with the more spaced out elements and the more iOS like you know minimalistic UI and the new control center and the new support for widgets so really interesting update it's uh part of the reason why I am interested in the Mac again. So, mm-hmm. uh, polar, po- very divisive update, I would say. And I obviously, yeah. 
Um, and obviously, um, alongside Big Sur, Apple also took the wraps off Apple Silicon, which would eventually, you know, turn out to be the M1 chip in the new generation of Macs that would come out later in the year. But at WWDC, Apple started sharing some of the details behind what they had been doing. They confirmed, yes, we have been busy building our own chip architecture for um, macOS devices. And they shared all the details, which I cannot, I don't want to repeat, not because I don't want to, but because I can't, because I don't know them as well as Steven. But basically, uh, Rosetta 2, for example, the new technology for ensuring compatibility with older Mac software and the all-new system for running iPhone and iPad apps on the Mac, what it all means for developers who have uh, applications built for Intel devices, bringing them over to uh, Apple Silicon. Uh, it was the right time to, sh- to start sharing these details with developers. And in addition to the details, Apple also started sharing uh, the DTK machines, the developer transition kit, in the form of a Mac Mini. The Mac Mini, which in the future would turn out to be the reason why Steven won one of the annual Rickies. So, Well, the DTK was like a Mac Mini with the A12Z in it. I won because they released a, an M1 Mac Mini in the sure, fall. Sure, you won, because, but, but you saw it coming, and neither Mike nor I did. Mm-hmm. So you, you... I'm better than you. Beat both of us. Yes, you are. You are a better person than both of us, honestly. Um, WWC, finally... We were lucky enough to have some Apple guests on our show. Mike, who did you have on Upgrade? We had uh, Bob Borchers and Ronak Shah um, on Upgrade. And then on Connected, we had Jenny Chen and Stephen Tonner. And this kind of started a trend, uh, which I've been really pleased to see, of uh, individuals from Apple appearing on podcasts and YouTube channels and all that kind of stuff throughout the year. Um, this was the beginning of that and it's been something that for me I've been has been like a real personal professional highlight this year is that I've mm-hmm. been able to do a bunch of these interviews now and, and it's really great. Yeah. MPU's been lucky to to be there as well. Of course App Stories, we talked about Craig Federighi coming on. Yeah. It's been really cool to see Apple bringing podcasts uh into like the media fold a little bit more. Yeah, it's not that they w- didn't happen, right? Like I know that you'd done one the year prior, both of you at WWDC. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was the start of like every time there was an announcement, like a like a of which there were many this year, there would you would see a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of YouTube videos with with people in them. So I thought that was really good. It was a good kind of like opening uh, of the of the gates, as it were. So yeah, I think it's been really great. But the real big update in June was the rebooted membership program here on Relay FM. I think that's the feature that we should talk about. Yeah, I mean, Mike and I worked, uh, we've said this before, the hardest, I feel like the hardest we've worked since starting the company in figuring Mm -hmm. out what the membership program should look like moving forward. And we've settled on the system we have now where you can sponsor individual shows. For instance, you could join Connected by going to relay.fm slash connected slash join. And you get, an ad-free, longer version of Connected, plus a bunch of benefits that all members get, including uh, the Discord, which has been a real bright spot for me in 2020, getting to know our members better and engaging like really fun, meaningful conversations with a bunch of people all around the world. It's been great. And so 
uh, and the membership has been really successful so far. So uh, a big thank you to everybody out there who has joined, either Connected or any of our other shows. Uh, it really means a lot to us, and it's given us stability in a year that hasn't promised it. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content is or how effective your marketing may be, they're going to bounce if your website is loading too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues are affecting your visitors' experiences, so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser device and platform they're using. So you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations, delivering great performances to those who matter most. And this is built to scale. You can monitor millions of page views without compromising historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for the support of the show and RelayFM. Are we ready for July, March 5? Mm-hmm. Apple canceled some Apple Arcade projects. Uh, the report said that there, this was part of a strategy strategy shift to create content with stronger engagement. You know, the kind of the pitch of Apple Arcade is you can play any of these apps just as part of your subscription. None of them have in-app purchase, so you got to buy coins to beat the boss or whatever. And uh, I guess Apple feels like some of these games have gone too far the other direction. I know for me at least, like I only have Apple Arcade because it comes with the Apple One membership that we pay for. It's not something I would seek out on my own. I think we've also seen a slowing down of releases. You know, Apple at the beginning was really putting out a bunch of games all the time. And clearly that was a push to, you know, populate the store, but it has slowed down. And uh, I think y'all have talked about this on App Stories. I don't know if there's been like a real breakout hit from Apple Arcade. There were some good games that we all talked about in the beginning, but when's the last time an Apple Arcade title really made big waves? And I think that's a bit of a problem. I think Apple needs to look at that. And so in July, they uh, reportedly canceled some contracts with game developers and shifted things around. And I don't know if we've seen the changes out of this yet, but I think uh, I would imagine the Apple Arcade is not performing the way that the company would have hoped. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I also, this is a report that I wasn't sure about when it came out, and I'm still not mm-hmm. sure about it now. There have been a lot of still, like, very experiential games mm-hmm. to come right. to Apple Arcade um, that clearly weren't cancelled. I, I don't know if there was, like, a, a parameter of cancellation. Uh, I still feel like, as I s- said at the time, it feels like Apple was maybe going for more of a balance than maybe lent too far in one direction. And that they will now try and find a balance of those games is kind of what I, what I think is going to be the case. Uh, another big story this year, uh, really throughout the the whole year, this popped up in June some, and then later in the fall, is Apple's ongoing commitment to fighting the effects of climate change. And the announcement in July is that they were committing by the end of the decade, so by 2030, 
to be 100% carbon neutral for its supply chain and products. You may think, Stephen, they're already carbon neutral. They have been that, I think, for a while in their facilities. So like the spaceship and Infinite Loop, and then they have offsets for their retail stores. But they want to continue to push that down the line to their suppliers and their manufacturing. So this is um, this is a big deal. I mean, this would this is a huge undertaking because now they're partnering with companies that they don't necessarily control. When you build your own spaceship donut ring headquarters, you can design this in. So now they've got to go in and retrofit parts of their manufacturing supply chain and the rest of their business. Uh, very ambitious, but I totally believe they'll be able to do it. Uh, I think. Apple's work in this area has really been really awe-inspiring, honestly. They've really done some amazing work led by uh, Lisa Jackson. I think she's a phenomenal leader. And it's um, it's pretty great that they, they want to say not just what we do, but for the product life cycle, we want this to be carbon neutral. It's very exciting. Um, also in here is their robot Dave uh, replacing... The robot Daisy, and we're still very concerned about what happened to Daisy. Mm-mm, we know what Dave. happened to Daisy. Dave, Dave murdered killed her. Daisy. Recycled Dave Daisy. Killed. Yeah. Wait, didn't Daisy. they actually respond to this at one point? I think somebody emailed Lisa Jackson, right? Like, Maybe. So I think I think somebody emailed them, and I think Lisa replied and was like, "Daisy's fine." Like, clearly yeah. not. Obviously, she's not. Like, you know, Daisy. Mm-mm. We don't like this story. We don't like to talk about it. Daisy, rest in peace, our friend. Uh, Tom Hanks movie Greyhound, which my Apple TV really wants me to watch. Like it just, <laughs> it's at the top <laughs> of the screen stop, every time right? I turn on my TV. All the time. Watch um, the movie. Uh, this is, was starred in and written by Tom Hanks and it opened on Apple TV Plus. It's largest opening weekend release ever for Apple TV Plus. That's not a huge list of things it had to beat, but you know, mm-hmm. way to go, uh, Way to go, Tom Hanks. Of course, this is just one story in many, we're not talking about them all, of movies that have come out on streaming services because movie theaters are either closed or have greatly reduced capacity because of COVID. And I, I think all of this, and again, you guys talk about this on Upgrade a lot, but I think this whole industry is probably uh, far from the end of its uh, being affected by this. But Greyhound, there you go. Have you anybody seen it? No, I haven't nah. watched it. I probably will at some point. Yeah, it's like on my list, but there's a bunch of stuff I want to watch before it. And uh, lastly, for me, here in July, we talked about Amazon and Apple cutting deals. This this year, another big theme has been antitrust hearings in the U.S., in the EU, other places. Uh, not just Apple, but really the big the big companies, Facebook. And Amazon in particular, but then Apple and Google, uh, Microsoft. No, no, Google, no Microsoft. Microsoft stayed out of it. Yes, Microsoft is uh, not a monopoly anymore. I don't know. They, they've had their time, and uh, it was in the 90s. So anyways, part of this, um, you always get details of inner company workings. Like, do you remember when Samsung and Apple were in court over... Samsung ripping off the look and feel of the iPhone. And we saw all these pictures of prototypes of like weird iPhones mm-hmm. that never made it out. Uh, well, this time it was some emails with Steve Jobs. And 
talking about this issue of digital goods in uh, in apps and where Apple settled is like the Kindle app. Again, it's always sort of the go-to, like you can't buy digital books in Amazon apps. You've got to go to the web. It's really goofy. Um, that's still the case today. And some of the decision-making that went into this um, from these internal emails and uh, none of these companies look good at <laughs> some of this stuff. Um, this you know, I think company bigger, I think some companies like Facebook and Amazon, there's clearer cases for antitrust, but this, this thing of, you know, locking things away to their own payment gateway uh, continues to be an issue. So we got to see, you know, 2010, some of these emails, how this started out. All right. So we move on to August. The 27 inch iMac was updated. It got an SSD T2 chip. It also got the nano texture display option from the Pro Display XDR. This was the last big Intel update, I think. I think. I think Apple did some smaller updates afterwards, but this was, I think, the last mm. update that had any kind of like. I'm trying to think. I don't. No, because they no, there was something. Because do you remember they said when they? Oh no, this was was this the last one? I think this might have been the last one. I think it is. But uh, th- yeah, they this was. This was actually a pretty chunky update and put that uh, 27-inch iMac in a position where it was more powerful than the iMac Pro in some instances, for example. So Mm -hmm. really kind of like beefed that machine up and is hopefully setting the stage for what should be a pretty incredible 2021 for the iMac, I think. Um, This machine is why I think the iMac Pro is not going to survive this transition. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think This is one of the many reasons. Yeah, I think we're just going to have really fast iMacs and then if you want it, a Mac Pro. There's no, there's no need for the iMac Pro anymore, especially after it gets some Apple Silicon variant. Uh, Phil Schiller um, advanced to Apple Fellow, uh, giving away the reins of the marketing department to Greg Joswiak. Um, Schiller, as even as a fellow, remains at Apple, running events and parts of the App Store still, I believe, um, if, if I'm remembering correctly. But it's clearly in a transitionary phase yeah. towards retirement at this point. Um, good for him good for phil this is where my favorite story of the year began this was the whole uh epic fortnite apple thing where uh fortnite was updated they added in their own payment option for in-app purchases was immediately pulled from the store then court case court case court case court case and (laughs) at this point nothing's changed but will continue to change. I think there was a court date announced coming up soon um, for when they're going to be going back into court again. But this is a story that isn't a 2020 story as such. It started in 2020, but will is going to continue for a long time. Um, and this is just the beginning of that. But I, I really, personally, really liked that story a lot just because there was just a lot of discussion to be had about it and uh, people fall on different sides of it there's a lot of interest and debate on all sides yeah it was one of my favorite stories of the year honestly just from a intrigue perspective Mm -hmm. Um, because i think it also helped solidify some points of my own that had been bubbling up for a while since like the hay stuff started about kind of like hey being a, a little bit unhappy with apple's kind of positioning as where they are as a company and how they run the app store and what they do and don't provide. I don't agree with 
everything. I don't agree with a lot necessarily of what Epic is throwing at Apple, but I do agree with some of it, and I think that some stuff needs to change and will continue to. Uh, then straight after Apple said that cloud gaming services cannot have their own apps in the app store and this is something <laughs> that they have confirmed over time but now just all of these companies are launching uh, PWA versions of these services so Apple's losing out on everything now they could have maybe got some money now they're not going to get any money uh, Martin Scorsese signed a first look deal with Apple so this is another big uh, individual and there's a movie Martin Scorsese has a movie coming to Apple TV and then they signed um, a, a first look deal as well and this is also when the US government attempted to start to ban TikTok but that's kind of will they won't they still at this point but but that was when that whole thing, that whole drama began as well, all the way back in August, which feels like it was just happened and was a really long time ago. Well, we have reached September or March 7. But then, but September, again, like, then started the three-month-long Apple event. I was getting ready to say, oh, Federico got both Apple events. Then I remembered, oh, wait, there's one in October and in November. And then there was product releases in December. Yes, so September, uh, the first uh, Apple event, this is the one about the Apple Watch, Apple One, Fitness Plus, and the new iPad Air. So, uh, new Apple Watch, the Series 6, and the Apple Watch SE, the cheaper one. The Series 6 Apple Watch, same design as the previous generation, but of course it can now measure your blood oxygen levels, which seems to be pretty fitting given how a lot of people are interested in this data in 2020. There's also the new Apple Watch for Families setup, uh, where you can set up an Apple Watch for your kids and you can restrict access to certain features and you can uh, check on your kids' locations if they're wearing uh, an Apple Watch with GPS. Um, I don't think that any of us is using this feature. I mean, mm -hmm. Stephen, you're the one with kids. Are you using this? Uh, no, we're not. But uh, okay. it does look interesting. And I think if our kids were older, we may consider right. it. They also don't go anywhere. So... <laughs> They're just right. here. Sure. I mean, good. fair enough. Good point. Um, Apple also introduced the new Fitness Plus service. This is the premium workout service that Mark Gurman originally reported on months before. Uh, it actually came out a few weeks ago. Uh, this is a workout service where you watch videos of trainers uh, explaining a workout and you work out with them. The peculiarity, of course, there's hundreds of similar services on the App Store. The unique feature here, obviously, is the integration between different Apple devices, the Apple Watch and Apple Music. If you're an Apple Music subscriber, you can get all of those playlists and you can bring your own music into the workout as well. Um, if you wear your Apple Watch... You kind of have to. I mean, you can work out without an Apple Watch for Fitness Plus workouts, but you're highly encouraged to do so. And the peculiar thing is that you're going to see your live metrics from your Apple Watch on the screen as you're following the workout. And you can follow those workouts on your iPhone on the small screen, if you're okay with it, or on an iPad, or ideally, on, if you have a big enough living room, I suppose, on an Apple TV. You can follow those workouts there and you will see your Apple Watch data displayed on the screen. Uh, really fascinating service. I haven't signed up for it yet. Uh, part of the reason why is I need to figure out another thing that Apple announced in September. And I still haven't had the time for it. Apple One, which is the new bundle option that we've been waiting for for a couple of years, essentially. It comes in two flavors, Apple One and Apple One Premiere, I think it's called. I think there's, um, and there's a family... One. I think there's, there's technically a, three. 
because one of them is premiere for family, I think. Yeah, it's individual, which is $15 a month, family, which is $20 a month, and it's it's all the same stuff, but you share it with five people and you get 200 gigs of iCloud. And then there's Premiere, which is 30, where they add on two terabytes of iCloud space, News Plus, and Fitness Plus. And it has the family sharing built in, like the, the sharing right. multiple people's built into right. that plan. Right. So Fitness Plus is included in Apple One Premiere uh, alongside Apple News and, of course, Apple Music and Apple Arcade and Apple TV Plus. I haven't signed up for it yet because I have a weird setup with multiple Apple IDs, one based in the US and other in Italy, and I'm afraid. It's one of those things where you touch it and it explodes, and I really don't want everything, anything to explode at this point in my life, so I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, eventually, I will check out Fitness Plus because it looks really interesting. Um, but I'm also lucky enough to live with a you know, Pilates instructor, so I kind of have my own private lessons going on at the moment. Whether you uh, like it or not, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I got my own Fitness Plus built-in at home, essentially. So, <laughs> Does um, she show you your <laughs> metrics? <laughs> no, but I can glance at my app and my Apple Watch, and also she gets upset when I do. It's like, don't, don't look at it, don't be distracted. So, um, yeah, it's kind of nice, actually, to do some... Yeah, anyway. New iPad Air with the A14 Bionic and Touch ID. So this is the f- this is a first on Apple devices, uh, on, on I guess on iOS and iPadOS devices. Touch ID is coming back. And it doesn't live in a home button. It's in a, it's in the sleep wake button. It's in the I guess it's called the top button on mm-hmm. the iPad Air. Yeah, uh, that's on the side. On, if it's in the keyboard, <laughs> ridiculous. Right. It's you know, it can be on any side because the iPad can be rotated. But what's interesting about the iPad Air, besides the so-called colors, which are not really. I mean, technically, you can buy one in blue or in green, but they don't really look blue or green. Um, Just buy one in silver. Trust me. It's by the color. Um, The iPad Air is interesting because it's essentially the 11-inch iPad Pro without some Pro features. It's a 10.9-inch display. It doesn't have the... um, the six gigs of RAM from the from the Pro line. It doesn't have lighter. It doesn't have a what doesn't it have actually besides lighter and six gigs of RAM? Promotion and Did promotion and promotion. And, uh, it only has two speakers instead of four. <laughs> right, but anything else is supported here. You can use the second generation Apple Pencil. You can snap on the Magic Keyboard, and you have Touch ID instead of Face ID, which for some people may be a plus given the times. This is a really good iPad. I was uh, lucky enough to be able to review one when it came out. It's uh, I think it's the this is the new should be treated as the new default iPad for most people. Mm-hmm. Like if you're looking at a powerful iPad with support for the Magic Keyboard and the Apple Pencil, this is where you should start, not the iPad Pro. Then of course, if you want to go bigger, if you want to have more options, go with the iPad Pro. But this is a really, really, really good iPad. Apple also introduced the eighth generation iPad. So this is the base model one. This one comes with an 812 Bionic and the old design. So you still have the own button and slightly worse performance. Obviously, this is the cheap iPad if you really want to get into the iPad ecosystem without spending a ton of money. Lastly, in terms of Apple announcements in September, uh, this is what made me so <clears throat> happy uh, a few months ago. <laughs> iOS and iPadOS 14 
the release date, uh, the release date of both OSs was announced in September with a 24-hour notice. <laughs> usually, uh, y- usually uh, Apple historically has released uh, Golden Master versions of those OSs with a one-week or eight-day, sometimes 10-day notice. Uh, but this time they did an event and they said iOS 14 and iPadOS 14, they come with all these great features and they're coming out tomorrow. And um, yeah, so developers were not happy. I was not happy. My review came out a month later. In the end, it was fine and it went really well. But at the time, I was annoyed and I was upset. So it took me by surprise and it took everybody by surprise, I think. One of the best stories of the year, I would say. One of the one of the most heartwarming stories of 2020. Also, I guess, started happening in September, and it only grew from there. Uh, underscore David Smith became the most important indie developer in the world. I think it's fair enough to say Widget Smith, his new app for making custom widgets for the iOS 14 home screen took the world by storm and it became the most popular app on the App Store. This is inc- an incredible story. Uh, years of artwork and an experience uh, paying off in a way that none of us, I think, would have expected, right? No, um, no. Widget Smith sort of a, becoming so popular outside of our usual circle of apple blocks and podcasts and an app being wildly popular and an app being number one in the app store for two weeks or whatever are two very very different things right like i could have imagined any of them i can imagine any of underscores apps being wildly popular because they're very good but this is a different this is a different thing like this is a completely different level like you say that about like the one of the most became like the most important indie developer in the world at that point like i guess you could maybe even argue of all time of all time probably i can't imagine i can't think of many if any uh modern app development companies with a hit like that being one person Mm -hmm. i don't think that happens i think that's correct yeah yeah so made me so happy to see wonderful story Go check out Widget Smith. Really good app. Um, the Jerry, the Jeremy's happened. Jeremy's, of course, being our game where I Federico. It's not a game. It's very serious stuff. It's a very look. A game can be serious, and I, okay. being a slightly competitive person, I take this very seriously. It's you know my obligation to guess the names of the little figurines that we can input on our <laughs> devices, and the sometimes questionable choices of the Unicode Consortium. And also, I would say, this is all Jeremy Burgess' fault. Um, yeah. Creator of Emoji. The, cre- the present, uh, president and CEO of Emoji, Jeremy Burge, friend of the show, sometimes my worst enemy at this yeah. time of year. But also, I love Jeremy very much. It's a complicated relationship, complex feelings that I have toward Jeremy. But this game is one of my favorite moments of, of the show during the year. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the third year, I think, that we've gone through this guessing, and uh, it never lets me down. And lastly, in September, I'm going to leave it up to you guys to talk about it, the podcastathon. Despite <laughs> all of this, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> it happened, and it went extremely well. Yeah, I, I can talk a little bit about this. So last year, 
was the first one in 2019. Uh, we've been raising money for St. Jude for years. Uh, in 2018, the Relay FM audience raised $70,000. In 2019, we raised $315,000. But this year just even exceeded that. The final number for the 2020 campaign is $481,000 for St. Jude. Which is actually the first time we've revealed that number, right? That's right. The first time we've shared it. Uh, we had some d- donations come in after the podcast-a-thon. The, the, we, act, we ended uh, September at 456, but then after some final donations and stuff like that, it ended up at $481,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is just unbelievable. Uh, we hit the original goal of 315 during the podcast-a-thon. That day alone raised over $100,000, donations from 50 countries. I mean, it was so amazing to take part of this and to watch that those numbers continue to grow, mm. mm-hmm. uh, especially this year when there are so many things in the world that, that need support. A lot of people are hurting financially, but the Relay FM community really stood up and and backed St. Jude in a way mm. that we just are so humbled by. Uh, and we're really excited to do it again in the fall. So mm. hopefully together. I want to say something. I've been pretty lucky in my life to get to know plenty of folks who, who do wonderful things and amazing things. I, you know, uh, I, I talked to, I was able to, to meet astronauts and you know doctors who treat the worst diseases imaginable um you know folks who make apps that millions of people use like i've i've been able because of what i do and because you know circumstances in my life to get to know tons of different people but what you two were able to do with this event and i say this honestly coming from my heart is generally incredible thank you and important in a way that uh, it's one of those stories that I tell to my friends, uh, like, hey, you know that you know two of my friends they do this thing, and it's it's like it's wild to think about it, and it's you know uh, the cause right behind it yeah. is so important, and it's so like th- the cause behind it is so despicable, right? Um, <laughs> you know, children getting cancer. I mean, it's. It's possibly the worst thing that could ever happen, much, much worse than a pandemic. But to be able to act on it and to build a community around it and to do something positive about it, it's so beautiful. It's a beautiful thing you two should be proud of. Well, I'm very proud of it. And I'm, I'm very thankful for you to say that. But I have to circle back because you said you know an astronaut and I don't think I knew this about you. <laughs> well, not only do I know him, <laughs> this is a story from when I was a kid. Uh, this is a person who, oh, let me double check. I also have his picture and an autograph and a personal letter from him. Whoa. Um, what? Who is this person? He's an Italian guy okay. named Roberto Vittori. Uh-huh. He was an ESA astronaut. Right. He was, let's see, Italian Air Force. Um, in 1990, uh, he flew the Soyuz. And he, yeah, he went to the ISS. Uh, he, he was born in Viterbo. Yes, that's why I know wow. him. Because my dad interviewed this guy a bunch of times. And uh, one time we were able to meet and I have his photo. It's actually a beautiful photo of uh, the space shuttle taking off. And uh, I believe that the personal dedication says to Federico, 
uh, with the hope that one day you'll join me in space or something like that. Oh, that's nice. It's a, it's very nice. It was very nice. Do you secretly hate this guy though? Because like, Do he's you? potentially a more famous person than you from Viterbo. Well, I don't like to think of myself as a person from Viterbo. <laughs> no, easy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think of myself from that place. I'm Rome, baby. I'm Big City Boy. Big City Federico, they call me. Well, well, look, look, it's famous in space, all right? I'm famous right. on Earth, so it's fine. Oh, nice. I like that. He has a Wikipedia page, do you? I do Mike not. Mike does. But also he's got that fancy NASA picture mm, that I don't picture. have. He's a handsome man, too. Look, you don't need to... We got it. You like this guy from Viterbo better than me. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's now my favorite Viterbo native. Whatever. Roberto okay. I just, I just said some pretty amazing things about you too, and this is how you pay me back. You mm. know, all you want to know is the more famous guy from Viterbo. Thanks. <laughs> really good friends I have on the show. No, mm-hmm. you, your words are very kind. I was uh, uh, struggling not to... But coming from Roberto, they would have been kinder. Yeah, right? fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've been to space. Like... Yeah, no, I mean... I mean we said it in the 2019 podcast-a-thon that it was like the peak of our career. Like it felt like so much had built up to that. And I felt that way again this year. Uh, and I agree with Mike. Hopefully we can be in person in Memphis to do it uh, this fall. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Wondery's Business Wars podcast. Tech entrepreneurs are in an all-out race to cash in on our collective addiction to social media. It's a fight that started in Silicon Valley, but it has gone global. Their newest season is Wondery's Business Wars TikTok vs. Instagram, where they're tracking the battle between two social media giants. Within the last couple of years, TikTok has become one of the most popular apps around the world. It's even garnered the power to completely reinvent the music industry. And despite political constraints the app has recently faced, TikTok has still managed to pose a serious threat to its American counterpart, Instagram. This season of Business Wars will touch on the history behind and the founding of both apps, what they've done in recent years, and how they've become the largest social media platforms ever to exist. I've really loved checking this podcast out. I didn't know really hardly anything about the background of TikTok. I've learned a lot about that, about Instagram went through growing pains before and after the Facebook acquisition. It's all very fascinating. So you can check out the latest season of Business Wars, TikTok versus Instagram on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. You can also listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Our thanks to Wondery's Business Wars of their support of Connected and Relay FM. All right, October, March, version 8. Guys, there's an Apple Press event in October. No way. I know. Uh, we got the adorable and tiny HomePod Mini, a $99 Siri speaker ball that makes the regular HomePod look like a joke in terms of cost. Uh, we've got one. Sounds pretty good. We're happy with it. It's very small, very adorable. Uh, Clips 3.0. Big news there. Apple just keep keeps chugging away on the Clips train. They did get rid of... What after they get rid of at the end of the year? Uh, music memos. Music memos. Yeah, rest in peace. Uh, But of course, the highlight of the press event was four new iPhones. The iPhone 12 mini returned to a small flagship phone. The iPhone 12, iPhone 12 Pro is the same size, but has the third camera and nicer materials. And then the phone that the two of you use, the iPhone 12 Pro Max, the big boy. The best one. 
Mm. I agree. Maybe. No, it is the best one. It is. It's the biggest, the best. It's got it's the most iPhone. It is the most iPhone. It's the i it's the iPhone nest. Yep. Of all iPhones. Exactly. This uh this event will be remembered not for any of that, but for a Verizon guy being on stage saying 5G 400 times and then Apple saying 5G 400 times. Today we're bringing 5G. 5G 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 Yeah, it was a it was a real 5G fest going on. It really was. That day. <laughs> and as we know, 5G has been so important for everybody throughout the rest of the year, so it was yeah. definitely worth sure, putting that sure. amount of effort into it in mm-hmm. the presentation. 5G 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 You know, I bu- I, I, I think I honestly think this is the this was the first time in my life that I got a new iPhone and I disabled one of the new features right away. I have kept 5G disabled for the past three months and I haven't noticed. I just haven't upgraded my cell plan. <laughs> uh, it was <laughs> it was so useless that yeah. I was paying for it. It was included in my plan and it, and I didn't even know. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I turned it off. It's fine. 4G gives me plenty of data, but also there's a pandemic going on, and I'm at home most yeah, of the time. 5G will be great one day. It'll be. It's just not one now, day. and it's fine. Yeah. But it's just not now. Uh, yeah. Apple also announced Apple Music TV, which is a 24-hour music video channel. Uh, I tried to open it in the TV app on my Mac, and it's just... I can't find it. I don't know where it is. Mm. No one's ever actually seen it, but apparently it exists. This was one of those stories that I added in and knew that all the listeners would go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we move I on. I feel like so much of the Apple Music content is like that, right? Yeah. The shows they do, I just I don't know if any of it's really taken off. No. Well, the service itself is doing well, and that's yeah, the yeah. most important thing. Um, but all of the ancillary stuff is... Right doesn't really seem to have have done what they want. And we were blessed by the official Mac Stories review of iOS and iPadOS 14, Federico's greatest work to date. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I'm loading it now, and I'm just mesmerized by all the animations y'all did. It's excellent, as always. Very good animations. Great job. Uh, Yeah, that that, that happened this year. A monumental achievement. Mm -hmm. Man, mmm. Yeah, that launch day was weird for me for a bunch of reasons, but um but it went really well mm-hmm. in the end. No astronauts ever written something like that, I tell you that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go to space and try to write seventy thousand <laughs> words in space if you good if luck. You can. Good luck with that with zero G. Yeah, yeah go good on luck do typing it. with no gravity. Go on with that butterfly. You should bring a butterfly keyboard in space and see if it works. Yeah, you got <laughs> you got five more G's than he does. Five <laughs> G. All right, Mike, take us to November. John Stewart signed a deal with Apple TV to produce uh, some kind of news-related content. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know what it's going to be yet, but it's going to be something probably in 2021 uh, Ted Lasso took the world by storm and got renewed for three seasons having uh, only shown one of them but is very clearly uh, Apple's crowning achievement with Apple TV Plus to this yes. point Agreed. it was their breakout success um, it's the breakout success that they needed and it's one that they were able to get 
hopefully uh, they will have more in the can and with the amount of content that Apple have been signing seems like at least something's going to be good uh, Apple had another press event uh, where they showed what? off the M1 along with a selection of new Macs mm-hmm. which everybody loves and is probably yes. Apple's best achievement of the year um, just, how, just how fantastic these computers are and they also uh, introduced macOS Big Sur to the world um, which I really like. Um, they announced the App Store Small Business Program, which is the 15% uh, cut that Apple will take if you uh, earn less than a million dollars a year. And Instagram changed their app layout, and everyone hates it. It's very confusing. I've gotten used to it at this point, but I, I have, I've run a couple of Instagram accounts, right? And one mm-hmm. of my Instagram accounts has the old layout and it's nice (laughs) it's nice in there i like it there i don't know why but i gained two i I gained two thousand followers on instagram over the past week without doing nothing yeah and i and i honestly believe that somebody pulled the prank on me and bought me some fake followers without me knowing. i had that happen with twitter once i honestly blocked them all i honestly have no idea the thing is this look like real people um, well, okay. I, I, I might be able to help you with this, actually. I've been, th- I've been trying to think about this for you. Because okay. I know you asked me if I had any ideas. Have any of your posts seen increased engagement? Yes. Right. Okay. Well, no. Wait. Posts? You mean the Mac stories? No. On Instagram? Your Instagram posts. So you get no, lots ha- of likes on at least one photo or something. No. Oh, then I don't know then. No. No. Uh, my theory is that they're not actually fake follow- fo- fake followers. They are real people. Like, I... I went in and started checking out their, their profiles. They seem to be like actual human beings, like sharing stories and fake followers are real people. This is like a whole thing. Like ah, the fake follower things are they are still real people. I, I, it's it's kind of weird, but it's uh, ah, they're not bots. They are no. actual people. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, it's very weird because they like they all seem to have something in common where. Most of these people, they seem to be into the fitness and health mm, segments of Instagram. Hmm. Hmm. But I don't know why they started following me. I basically only post photos of my dogs and my tattoos. And sometimes stories about my articles. Yeah, anyway, it's a, it's a whole thing. There I don't know. isn't a, um, a post of yours that's like right. exploding. Because that would suggest that maybe that you know you got put in like the explore tab or something. The fact that that hasn't happened suggests that if they are like real people, your Instagram account has been linked somewhere, and that you're never going right. to like that one out. No, never, never. Anyway, yeah, I don't like the new Instagram layout, by the way. But at least they took reels out of the um, the search tab. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, folks, we have reached December. The real end of 2020. So I'm gonna gonna take us home with the final month of the year. It's not a very good year. Tim Cook says that Apple employees will not be back at Apple Park in large numbers until at the very least June of 2021. Uh, it makes sense, right? We were all expecting this. It this is not gonna be over anytime soon. Uh, just you know, just yesterday here in Italy, we started doing vaccinations on Sunday. And the current timeline, uh, unless things change, I suppose, is to have the vast majority of 
uh, Italian adults vaccinated by the end of October 2021. So at this point, um, and Italy is a small country, <laughs> and at this point, it seems pretty much you know impossible to have an in-person WWDC. Uh, so very likely the WWDC 2021 will be an online event again, and it should be, right? Because mm. in June, this will not be over. Um, so same for Apple employees. They will not be back at their office until, you know, I guess the first half of the year, they'll be working from home and then maybe Apple will reconsider, depending on how things go in the US in a, what is going to be hopefully a better year for the US and a better year for everybody else as well. I have another theory for you about your Instagram. Okay. This is way out there, but your My Must Have Apps of 2019 article right. has a link to your Instagram profile in it. And this was also an article where it references home screen customization. You're an influencer. That's all I have for you. Could be. Could be. I wish you could see referrals on Instagram uh, with a business account, which I have. Yeah. But all you can see is like the total counts of like, yeah, you gained 2,000 followers. Yeah, yeah I get they it. only like, show you stuff that happens yeah. inside of Instagram. Inside of Instagram, yeah. Uh, in December, Apple announced their Best of 2020 awards. Uh, this year, Apple was uh, very original in that they also produced physical awards for this winners. Uh, really interesting idea that we've never seen done before. Um, they had a bunch of picks. Yeah, I more did it, right? Back in the day? Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh-huh. You sounded sure. <laughs> they had some um, fascinating picks for their best apps, including... Uh, I just want to say how w- the probably the best one, in my opinion, is the Mac game of the year, Disco Elysium. If you haven't played Disco Elysium yet, go play Disco Elysium. It's a really, really good game. There's also coming out over the next few months uh, on Nintendo Switch and consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to better things. Uh, the AirPods Max were announced. And this is... the. I would say my favorite surprise of this final part of 2020. We were all convinced that the over-ear headphones were uh, that were not coming out. We were all convinced that the project had been shelved, uh, that Apple had faced multiple delays and issues with the production of the ear cups and the sensors and the headband. But no, the AirPods Max were announced. One day, they just put out a press release and you can buy them. And they will come to your house on the following Tuesday. It was a Thursday for me, I remember, because it was just a few weeks ago. Um, and these are really good headphones. They are I also. I love them. I love I them. I really love them. They are really good headphones. They are not cheap headphones because mm-hmm. these are $550. It's even more if you live in Europe. Um, but these are really good headphones. They were reviewed, I would say, pretty well. Uh, sound quality was praised, build quality was praised. Still somewhat skeptical of the headband design that Apple chose. And uh, obviously, you know, we talked about it, the case, right? The the, the so-called smart case, not so smart and not so useful. But thankfully, third parties are showing us a bunch of, uh, bunch of options. So, Stephen, thank you for sharing that link to the Waterfield design case for AirPods Max. I bought it. Nice. Like, I didn't sometimes you know you guys share stuff in our iMessage group and I don't react you know to it 
Yeah. But I actually take action upon it. You are a man of action. That's why. I am a man of action. Even when I don't communicate, I'm always ready to go. And in that case, I click the buy button as soon as I saw the link. I'm looking forward to the Federico Vettici review of this. I, I don't want... I don't need this right now, so like maybe I'll get it in the future. But I want to. I'm looking forward to you getting it because I want to know what color did you get? Uh the black one. Yeah, I don't like the blue and the red one. In December, Fitness Plus launched publicly. Mm-hmm. People seem to be pretty into it. It seems pretty fun. The videos are well produced. Uh, when you follow the workouts, you can follow the main trainer, but there's also one of the trainers who does a more, an easier, I think, version of the same workout if you're not uh, experienced in, t- in that type of uh, physical activity, which I think is a very good idea. Seems to be a pretty well-designed service. We'll see how it evolves over the next few months. I will say, go check out the Fitness Plus account on Instagram, where where Apple has you know, officially presented all of the trainers that they have for the program, and you can follow the individual trainers on Instagram as well. And it's a pretty diverse set of trainers, which I, which I like, I appreciate. You know, it's not just a bunch of white guys and white ladies doing workouts. I like the diversity uh, in the Fitness Plus service. The iPhone 12 line was confirmed as the most popular 5G phone in the world. 5G. Big accomplishment. Go 5G. Yes. um, 5G phone. We all love it when the iPhone is popular. Why why are we talking about this? Does it take much to to become the most popular 5G phone in the world? Is it like an actual accomplishment? They're not first, but, you know, Apple sells a lot of models. So there you go. This is like when you get third place in a race of, like, four people. It was like, mm-hmm. hey, but hey, I arrived third. Uh, uh, nice job. Um, lastly, to end this year, let's talk about the Apple car. The Apple car project, it seems to still be in the works <laughs> at Apple with a suggested timeline of 2025 or 2027. Now, can we, in good conscience, talk about stuff launching in 2025 or 2027 at this point in the history of human society and the world? I, it's, it feels pretty disingenuous to, to, to talk about these stories right now. Surely it's all plain sand from here, right? Uh, okay. So, friend of the show and award-winning analyst, Minchi Kuo, you got to believe that he won an award at some point. Um, believes that the uh, long-rumored electric electric vehicle that Apple is making will be launching at some point over the next five to seven years and that Apple has developed this uh, innovative battery technology that will uh, be one of the key features of this EV from Apple. I honestly don't know what to think here. I'm very skeptical of everything about the Apple car. I'm very skeptical of, I don't know. Like, I, it's one of those things that, yeah, okay, they're working on a car. I don't know. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know how important it is. I am very skeptical because I don't have um, any trust in the Italian government having the proper infrastructure in place within five to seven years to support a nationwide um, system for electric vehicles. Just get Mm. John to send you a charger. 
John sends me plenty of things. He was recently assigned the very important task of shipping me a headphone cable that I purchased. <laughs> and he's now taking care of my headphone cable. Uh, we can talk about chargers next. Um, but no, like, we don't even have the, the new Apple Maps in Italy. Um, I've been living in Rome in, for seven years at this point, coming into my eighth year in Rome. And in these past eight years, we still have that single charging station in my area. Like, it, it never grew. It, it was never expanded. It was still that single station in an area of Rome where 60,000 people, 60,000 people live. There's two chargers. How am I supposed to be optimistic about electric cars over the next five years? Now, it's totally possible that the timeline will accelerate and the things will get better here. But it feels to me like whenever I see news about electric vehicles, it feels to me like most of those people and most of those websites are based in California. And then I get it, right? This is obviously where these companies are based. And uh, I guess the streets of California are easier to explore. I don't know. But to think that I will, within the next five years, be able to travel to southern Italy with an electric vehicle alone without being, you know, ending up, you know, stranded in the middle of nowhere without any charge. I don't know. It feels pretty optimistic to me. Well, but we'll see, I guess, the Apple car 2025. Will we still be here in 2025? Who knows? Maybe it'll be like the iPhone and it'll be US only at first. And if you get it into another country, it won't turn on. You know, like how the original iPhone wouldn't unlock in other countries. I can't wait to jailbreak my car. Jailbreak your car. Yeah, I mean, Federico, I'm with you. Like, these rumors have been around for so long, and I just, it seems like such a leap for Apple to do this. Uh, I just, I'm very weary to put much stock in any of this until until we see more. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when the Apple Watch reviews came out and everyone started shaving their wrists for their Apple Watch photos? <laughs> it, it was a very troubling wait. time in tech journalism. Did people shave their wrists? Yeah. And like their hands. Some did. Yeah. Why? I remember very distinctly the Verge review. Neil Patel shaved his wrist and hand for his Apple Watch photos. Yeah, well, well, a lot of them were very hair conscious. Yes. You know? I don't know why, honestly. It was very very upsetting. Uh, What will that be for the Apple car? Will it be people pretending they know like how to drive around a track? We're like, oh, I've always had this racing helmet here in my closet. Wearing, glo- wearing gloves? Yeah, driving gloves. <laughs> Can't uh, wait. I think some people do that, like, unironically, I discovered. Like, some people have, like, racing gloves, and they actually use them, even if they're not, like, actual racers. And I don't get it. But, hey, if it makes you happy, if it makes your hands feel more protected, then good for you. So is that the, is that it for the year? That that is that is 2020. All right. Yes. Uh, good riddance. 2020. If you want to find just a whole big mess of links, uh, we have them <laughs> on our website at relay.fm. 84. 84 links. Is the count? Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. You can find all of them at relay.fm slash connected slash 326. While you are there. You can uh, do a bunch of things. You can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. You can join and get Connected Pro, which is an ad-free, longer version of the show, each and every week. And you also get 
lots of extra goodies that all Relay FM members enjoy. If you haven't joined, uh, it's a great time to do it here at the, the beginning of a new year. You can find us all online. Mike is on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike, do you have anything fun coming up the next couple weeks? Any streams? Any adventures? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm leaving the house. I haven't decided that yet. So, uh, so... stay tuned for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just do a Twitch stream of you, like, approaching your door. I'm like, ah not gonna do it yeah maybe you can find federico on twitter at vitici v-i-t-i-c-c-i he is the editor-in-chief of macstories.net federico i have a question for you of course you do what is your general feeling about new year's resolutions interesting question um i feel like most of most of um most of things in our society they are a construct to make us feel better about ourselves they're like a sort of like uh like an uh, like an uh what do you call it let me check um there was a saying that i'm thinking of um yeah they're like some kind of uh opium for society in a way i believe that it was marx who said that religion is an is an opium for society and it's sort of like that in the sense that it's something that you do something that you say because it makes you feel better because it makes you feel safer there is a quality to new year's resolutions in that it gives you at the very least it gives you a sense of purpose it gives you a sense of structure it gives you a platform to get started on 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 something on anything right um the problem with it is, and the reason why I find, for example, uh, Mike and Gray's um, uh, theme-based approach so fascinating is the fact that, that it's a more pragmatic way to think about it. The problem with New Year's resolutions is that they're often too vague, right? Uh, I want to work out more, or I want to go to the gym, or... One of the issues is that they're either vague or they're too specific, and then you have a fail state. They're either vague or they're too specific, and you don't find that middle ground. Mm -hmm. So here's what I think. I think that most people do them because it's a, it's, it's a thing that other people do. And so they share them and they think that they have New Year's resolutions when they actually do not. And they just say them publicly, usually in social networks because it's like a thing. What I think is that it is useful in the context of the concept of a year in human life, it is useful to think of in this time period between January 1st and December 31st, here's what I want to accomplish. And that is useful. My problem is that I like the gist of the idea behind it. I don't like, I very much dislike the sort of uh, amateurish way that people go about them most of the time. I think either you should follow the advice of Mike and Gray and go for a theme or you should think about them long and hard and be realistic about like don't set like a list of 20 resolutions that you want to follow because then when it's like May or June and you're five or six months into your your your, your resolutions and you haven't followed them you're just going to feel bad about yourself you shouldn't feel bad about yourself life life is already complicated as it is so be realistic think about them long and hard start planning your resolutions ahead of time and maybe 
you know, consider sort of like a spin-off on the idea of New Year's resolutions, like a theme. So go listen to Cortex. I think it's a useful exercise in, in, in the context of think about the things you want to accomplish. And don't be too specific, but also don't be too vague. I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for, Stephen. Um, but yeah, I think it's... Um, I would also say that I think it's okay to give yourself a pass right now. Like, obviously, you should take care of yourself, but don't feel obligated to come up with a list of 20 things that you must accomplish because everything is a mess right now and it's fine. Look after yourself. And the best resolutions that you can keep right now is drink lots of water, get enough sleep, and don't think about work all the time and go watch Soul by Pixar. It'll make you feel better. That would be my advice. That's about where I thought you would end up. Man, I give good answers. I think I give good answers. I think it's a quality about myself mm. that I recently discovered. Like, I, I can, I, if we were to go on a date, Stephen, me and you eventually, I think I would, you would be impressed by this quality of mine. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as ISMH. I'm also ISMH on Twitch and write 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors for this week's episode, Smile, Pingdom, and Wondery. And until next year, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci e buon anno. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.